0: How do you feel about the work that you do? We spend so much time working and for many of us it's not as fulfilling as we may imagine. So in this episode we're going to talk a little bit about finding new jobs, career changes, maybe even starting a business. So come and hear me and Rarity interview Loretta from The Ambition Plan. Welcome to Free and Figuring It Out Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to 2020. This is officially our first episode. And we are so excited because you are in for a treat today. We have got the fabulous Loretta from the Ambition Plan because we're going to talk about careers and everything about the wonderful world of work, because let's be honest, unless you're really rich, it's reality for most of us. So um, I would like to introduce Loretta to the podcast. Loretta Iana is the founder of the global career change platform, which is called The Ambition Plan. She, as a doctor, entrepreneur, journalist, TV producer, nutritional consultant, and one-time fashion stylist, Loretta is no stranger to the all-consuming search for passion and purpose. She created the ambition plan to provide high-potential women with the guidance and community they need to figure out what they want to do with their lives and start doing it. Woo! Loretta, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me and
1: thank you for the introduction. I sound crazy in the introduction when you read all those careers out, but it's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, you are definitely a woman that has done many things, which is a great thing because it hopefully means whoever has listened today will be able to resonate with some of your story in some way, shape or form. So it would be great to tell us a little bit, I suppose, about your story and why you ended up having so many careers. <laughs>
1: Okay, where to begin? Okay, so I mean, my official spiel is that I never really knew what I wanted to do, and I was really good at like exams and school. Like, I come from an academic family, and it—I was someone who, like, my parents were very proud of you if you were doing really well at school. So I just always did really well at school because that gave me attention. Um, Problem with doing really well at school is you get to a certain level, and everyone picks a career for you. And for me, it was become a doctor. You know that's what you should do if you're smart and if you're capable and my parents I come from a family of doctors as well so it was a path of least resistance and even though I kind of said I don't really want to do this I was a bit of a people pleaser so I just went ahead did it but obviously got into medical school started doing all the work and realized this really isn't me soldier through because I didn't want to quit got my medical degree started practicing and then again that feeling of this isn't me and I've got to do this for the rest of my life just kept haunting me and I just couldn't do it so after a few failed attempts at quitting I would say right I'm quitting and then everyone would say no 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 just do one more year it'll be fine just do this it'll be fine so eventually I actually just resigned and didn't tell anybody wow. <laughs> but when I resigned my deanery um, they're the people who are in charge of when you're at the junior level of being a doctor and you're still rotated through different um, different specialties to figure out what you want to do ultimately they got really cross with me and they said basically you can't quit until you know what you want to do because we don't think this is normal they actually sent me to a psychiatrist first because they really believed that there was something wrong with me and there was no reason why i'd want to work mm. for such a good job so when the psychiatrist signed me up like, on something wrong with her they then said okay you can't quit to nothing what's your plan so then i had to quickly just pick up, a, like a make a plan up. I was really into fashion at that time. I was really crossed with academics at that time. So I just wanted to to something super creative. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I signed up to do a fashion degree at London College of Fashion. So I went back to them and said, right, I'm going to fashion now. You know, here's my acceptor's letter. Sign me up and get me out of this super job. So that's what happened. And that's how I, into, I went into fashion. That was just, it was fun, but it was a massive swerve in the other direction. And I just didn't feel... Challenged in the same way that I used to I didn't feel like I was actually making the same kind of difference that I was making when I was a doctor So again, I kind of realized this isn't the career for me what to do now So back to the drawing board. I always kind of liked writing Thought I was quite creative. So I said, you know, let me do journalism so I went and I got a job on a health things wire started doing more health journalism stuff Then I got a big kind of surge of imposter syndrome. I thought, I'm not qualified to do this. I literally just, I'm making stuff up. So I went back to uni and got a master's in international journalism, which then made me eligible to work for TV station. As in, they said, it was CNN International actually, they were offering internships. And I just applied, no experience, no nothing, because they simply said, we want um, journalism grads. And got the internship, so got into that. It all went really well. I worked my butt off, sat up to the right people. And then after the internship, I stayed. Essentially, I kind of went to the right person and said, you know what? I don't want to leave. I want a job. Um, and it turned out they were quite impressed with me. So I got a job with them. That turned into being a TV producer. And then I ended up spending three years in the world of TV production. I went to places like the BBC and Sky News and produced for them. But again, I hated that world it's very superficial a lot of backbiting over nothing I think that's the thing when you come from something like medicine where it's life or death mm. when you see mm. people being stupid about stuff that doesn't matter you're just like this is stupid like you're wasting your life you're bite you know backbiting and stabbing each other in the back and being really petty about stuff that doesn't matter at all like you're literally being paid to gossip like every time I was in that place <laughs> I felt like I was being paid to gossip because that's what you do you find out like what's this mm. person doing what's mm. that person doing and So I left. I was just, I'm done with you guys, left. By that time, I felt like a proper lunatic because I, what was that fourth thing I'd walked away from? And there (laughs) were things that people were really impressed by. So they were kind of like, I don't understand what, you know, I was doctor at really like Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, which was one of the top hospitals in London when I went to fashion I was doing like fashion week and working for a Porter and I was working for L'Oreal. like so I was doing like really good jobs and I just leave and people would be like I don't like what's it gonna take to make you happy you keep walking mm. with from things that people kill for so I thought there's nothing wrong with me by that point um, yeah <laughs> no I really did I went to, I started seeing like coaches life coaches therapists career coaches because I was just like there's something wrong with me I can't stick to anything and I can't keep going through my life like this um then I had a period of just kind of sitting still trying to figure things out for myself but I'm such a doer that I started panicking from spending a few months just not really doing anything so again I had to kind of look into my little toolbox and say well what have I got and obviously I had the health background I've had a turbulent history of dieting and nutrition and losing weight etc so i was really into my nutrition and like doing things properly so i kind of went well oh, i'll get into nutrition consulting so i topped it off again <laughs> got, yeah. went and got another qualification <laughs> started this nutrition consulting business thing um did what was doing advising for people consulting like helping people want to work with their nutrition stuff but again And I've talked about this on the Ambition Plan. It's the thing about turning your passion into a career. I Mm -hmm. quickly grew to hate it. I didn't want to talk about diets. I didn't want to talk about weight loss. It was just, it grew up so quickly. So again, Mm. I left. Yeah. (laughs) I went back to journalism for a little bit. It was the editor of a magazine when I was trying to figure stuff out. And I think it was giving myself that space that let me realize, hang on a minute. There is something you've always wanted to do and one thing i always wanted to do was run my own business i just didn't feel capable because i don't come from a family of business people or entrepreneurs i come from a family of academics so i that's all i knew it was getting degrees and being a doctor and all of that stuff it wasn't winging it and hustling and all the entrepreneurial stuff so i put it off for so long and eventually i went i worked at a company that was i can say this so incompetent the person in charge was so <laughs> incompetent and i thought if this crazy person (laughs) can run this business that's been profitable for 20 years I could like I could do this yeah that was the thing (laughs) that I went you know ridiculous I don't know why I thought this was so difficult so I again went up and that's how I started the ambition plan. really long story but there you go
0: wow no it was really interesting there's so many interesting yeah yeah there's so many things I can imagine people relate to um one of the things I just wanted to quickly pick up on was this idea you mentioned around you were just you were really good at school And you were just following, like doing your exams, doing really well, following what your parents were suggesting, ended up in a job. And then you're a bit like, oh, this isn't what I really want to do. And I imagine there are a lot of women listening that end up like this, who are just, they do really well at school or there's one subject you do well at school at. So you just keep on taking that for as long as possible. Your parents are like, oh, just become this. You don't really know what other jobs are out there because you probably probably a rubbish careers teacher. And then all of a sudden you've like got a degree, got a job. And a few years later, you're like, oh what what am I really doing and then you might not have the support of the people around you so how did you deal like like you said in the end you did you say you quit without telling anyone like for people that know that they're not going to be supported about making a career change what sort of advice could you give around just ignoring basically the people around you (laughs)
1: So one of the best things, the good good thing for me was when I left medicine, I was at med school with a couple of other girls who were really still good friends to this day for the reason that we all didn't want to go. Like there were three of us and everyone thought we were crazy and our family had the same reaction. Um, and one of them, the best advice she gave to me was how she quit. She put her foot down and she said to everyone, I'm doing this and I don't want to talk about it again. And she just banned that line of conversation. If anyone was going to come at her with negativity, she was just, I'm not listening. I didn't do that. I wasn't smart enough. I would engage and have these massive, dramatic conversations, phones being slammed, et cetera, because people at the end of the day, they think they're helping you. Like no one is stopping you from leaving a career because they try to ruin your life. They're scared you're going to ruin your life. So they're trying to help you. Yeah. The problem is they're coming from a place of fear. So mm-hmm. they don't know what else is out there for them. You know, I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. So if I said I'm leaving to be an entrepreneur, they're like, what? Most eight, what is it, 80% of businesses fail in the first year? Yeah. That's the kind of stats they throw back at me. So they mm. think they help me, but actually they're not because they don't know what could be. And it's, yeah, so it's, again, I think it's about picking, surrounding yourself with the right people, seeking out the people who are like you, who can actually support you, and then limiting those conversations with the people who just don't get it. There's no point arguing. You will never convince them because as sure as, yeah. with the, the amount of certainty you have that you're right is the amount of certainty they have that they're right. So it's just, it's a pointless conversation.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah and something that you highlighted there was you know you had so many areas or or occasions in your careers that people would be like oh my god that's amazing like how can you walk away from that and I think it kind of harks back to the fact that you know we're, we're so swayed by the 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 shiny stuff you know the impressive stuff and not actually what we're feeling inside and you know I know so many people are in jobs that sound great on paper but actually they don't enjoy them and you know like it's that's hard to overcome isn't it because you do feel deep down your ego is saying to you no just stick at it because everyone's so impressed by it but your heart's kind of like this isn't for you did you kind of sense that or
1: yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I talk about a lot and with the Ambition Plan, like with the audience and with people who get in touch with me. Um, and when I used to do mentorship work as well, it's external validation. And I always talk about mm. this kind of a second addictive cycle so Mm -hmm. when you're away from everyone telling you how amazing you are that's when you have those dark low moments and you say I'm gonna quit you write a resignation letter and then when you're back in the light and someone says you're smart or they say oh my god I love your job suddenly you're like it's not so bad anymore and then you you know the resignation letter disappears for a little bit and you ride that little wave of dopamine that's in your brain from people saying how wonderful you are because you have this great job But deep down, like if every time you go to bed at night and you lay down and you're like, I hate this and I hate that and I hate that, then you know it's not for you. The issue is then kind of being honest about that because everyone wants external validation. Everyone wants people to say you're great, you're clever, you're funny. No one wants to be told (laughs) your job kind of sucks. And I struggled with that when I left medicine because everyone, you know, when you say you're a doctor, there's just an implied level of intelligence. People treat me like crap. And then I'd say oh, i would mentioned I've been a doctor and they treat me so differently. So when I went yeah. to TV, it was like that. They treat me like an airhead. And then when I just talk about my degrees, it's like degree one, I've said medicine. They're like, oh my God. And suddenly I was elevated to this level. So when you get that, it's really hard kind of subconsciously, unconsciously to shake it off because then you become being a somebody, you feel like a nobody. But yeah. that's more about then taking the time to build yourself up and realizing what's important to you I always say to people that no one's thinking about you as much as you think they are. Cause that's the thing. You don't want to quit something. because What will everyone say? No one cares. Everyone goes home and they're bothered about themselves. <laughs> when you're there, they might say lovely things to you, but everyone goes home and they're panicking about their own job and their own bills and their mm-hmm. own marriage, et cetera. They don't care if you're you know, the cleaner or if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. So you've got to work out. The only person who's being tortured by this situation is you 24 seven. No one else cares for what you do.
0: Yeah, it's so true. I think it, like you said, people may in that moment in time, it sounds like they really care, but by the time everyone goes home, no one cares. Like you are, you have to make yourself happy before anyone else. Now you clearly, you know, didn't, didn't find your path to what you wanted to do straight away. Like it wasn't just one career change and bam, you were totally happy. And I know that for some people listening, you might realize you don't like what you're doing, but you have no idea what to do next. And in that sort of situation, Like now, do you think looking back (laughs) there could have been a shorter path to your career changes? Is there other have you picked up any more tips now to just help you find your like purpose or find your passion or the next career step without taking through as many different steps as you took, maybe? Yeah.
1: So the first thing I will say is I don't think I've made it. I don't think I'm where I'm I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I'm just where I'm supposed to be right now. And I think for everyone that's an important thing because you put pressure on yourself. But people come to me and they'd like figure my life out, like help me find the, you know, find my dream job. And my thing mm-hmm. with them is all we can do is find what's best for you right now. I can't promise you in 10 years time, that's what you're going to want to do. Cause you have, you know, your life is your life and you're supposed to go through all of these twists and turns and that's what adds flavor to it. And that's how you meet all the people that might make an impact in your mm-hmm. life. You can't just jump, you know, from the start of the book to the happy ending. So <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing I would say is take that pressure off yourself. All you have to figure out is what you want to do right now big part of that is the external validation piece you have to sit down with yourself and say what do I want not what because people do that to me right um let's (laughs) they're very strategic and they'll sit down with me or they used to sit down with me and they'd say right well these are the stuff I've got like these are the skills I've got this is the pay grade that you know Mm. I should be getting this is the city I want to be in and these are the people (laughs) I want to associate with so now let's make a job based on these things and i am kind of like You're being really strategic about a problem that's not strategic. What you Mm. do for work, especially if you're someone who's very passion-driven, it's not intellectually, you don't come to that conclusion from an intellectual place. It comes from an emotional place. So I'm kind of like, sit down and what do you like to do? Like, if you won the lottery and you won billions and you never had to work again, what would you do to keep yourself occupied?
0: that's my literally like, worst question i hate that question so much <laughs>
1: but it's true because it's what you would do for fun almost that you now need to gravitate towards and figure out a career based on that whereas a lot of people don't think about fun they're like oh no i i want to be really like super rich and super prestigious what's she doing i'll do what she's doing and then they get into it and they hate it i'm like because it wasn't what you wanted you you're not that person that's why you hate it so, yeah, yeah it's nah, nah. Why do you hate that question, Shirelle?
0: Just because I don't have an answer yet. And, I've, and I and it's one of the questions, um, it actually was in a book I read recently and I've been talking about trying to find the answer out. I just think it's that weird question that if you've never really thought about not having to work for money and just working for the sake of just because you want to, it just opens up this, the whole world of possibilities and I'm too multi-passionate to be able to pin it down to something.
1: But you don't have to pin it down. Because I'm like that, I'm exactly the same. If someone asked me that question, I'm just like, I don't know, I'd be doing some stuff <laughs> it's like what's some stuff um <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I'm traveling i'd be setting up stuff like there's loads of stuff i want to do and that's why i changed so much and for me i think that's been the appeal of starting my own business because i you know it was kind of a stage where i got to where i thought you're not gonna sit in one job ever mm-hmm. and that's okay just embrace it now you have to find a way and create a career for yourself that allows you if you want to change every year you can change every year and I think running my own business does, you know, do that. Even right now, I'm in the midst of a big pivot with the Ambition Plan and I get to do that because it's my baby. I can be like, last year we were doing events and mentorship. This year, we're not doing that anymore. And it's yeah. up to me to say that. So I can't remember where I, what I was going with
0: it. Don't worry. So just because you spoke about change and this idea of changing and you obviously, like technically, if someone looked at your CV, you'd look like you have had a fair number of jobs. And millennials are obviously like tarnished with this idea that we're flaky and we don't manage to commit to something for very long and there is sort of stigma around swapping jobs too often and even like I faced it in my career even with me staying in the exact same career but just because I've moved companies so often people make sly comments so I wondered like I know that I'm not the only person that feels like oh my CV's got too much on it so what sort of advice do you have to just be like just don't worry like yes we probably are going to get tarnished and millennials are already classed as flaky, but your CV, actually what is on paper, if you're not in a job you don't like, you shouldn't be staying there. And if you end up trying seven things to find out where you want to go to next, it's not the end of the world.
1: Yeah, I think the joy of CVs is you can look at them retrospectively and tweak them retrospectively. I've changed jobs a lot, but I had, when I was like seeking employment actively, I had about five different versions of my CV and they, it was tweaked to the industry I wanted to go into. So, you mm-hmm. know, as much as, for example, I've been a doctor, then I was a journalist, then I was in TV production, then I was in nutrition. But for that, a salient thread of all of that has been um, health and content, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So if yeah. I was going for a health job, I'd play up the health aspect of those and I'd play down the, you know, Taking pictures and filming videos and editing videos because I had nothing to do with health. And then if I was going for content, I suddenly be like, well, actually, when I was a journalist, I was, you know, I was working for this newswire and this magazine, etc. When I was in TV, I was actually producing all of this stuff, and it was content. Do you know what I mean? So you just pull it out and tweak it as you need to. Also, explain things. Again, I wouldn't explain to people if I did a really short job. And for example, I was on a fixed term contract. I wouldn't have mentioned that. So they look at it and say you're flaky, whereas (laughs) when I you know had that insight I'd say mention it like mention you did maternity care and that's why you were there for nine months mention it was Mm. a fixed-term contract and that's why you were there for a short time it's not that you're rubbish and you can't stick to it it's just that you went in knowing it was a short-term thing
2: okay yeah I I think I feel like it's changing isn't it I wonder if we're the last generation where you know obviously generations before us like you had to be in the same job for 40 years and then you retired and that was it and now we're at a point where we probably feel like you have to stay in the same sector or the same job role but you can move companies and I wonder if the next generation I don't know if you have any insight on this it are open to being really fluid with you know work and and like you say like it was really interesting you said that you know the thing that makes you happy today may not make you happy in 10 years and I'm kind of going through that at the minute myself and it's kind of nice hearing you say that because it gives me permission to know that that's okay (laughs) and do you you know do I imagine you get other women kind of saying the same
1: yeah absolutely I think it's I
2: I don't know it's really sort
1: of two things there in terms of millennials I feel like We're a weird generation in that. (laughs) So I've done a lot of, we are like an anomaly, kind of a backlash against baby boomers. But we've had so much backlash that I've looked at research on Gen Z and saying that they're a lot like baby boomers, they're going back to traditional values. Like they want to prove their worth in the workforce and they want to show that they can work hard and they have staying power versus millennials who are like, follow my passion. I'll just keep changing jobs I find my passion. (laughs) So I'm interested to see... If that comes true, because obviously these are predictions. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I think you know, as humans we all seek stability, right? No one wants to get into you know, you don't want to buy a house and it's like, well, that house may crumble and fall in ten years, but let's wait and see. You want you're like, My house better be standing if you get married. You're like, I want to be married for life. It's the same with a job. Like most people want to come in because they just wanna know that everything's gonna be okay and I'm gonna get to that happy ever after, which involves two point five kids, house with a white picket fence. Senior job with all of my perks and my flashy car. Like, no one wants to be trying to figure stuff out at 40 or 50. But life's not like that with everything. You know, it's a stupid example saying your house will fall and crumble. But guess what? Some people do buy houses and they fall and crumble. And some people get married and it doesn't work out. Like, that's just life. So I think you do have to give yourself permission to go into everything saying, I hope it works out great. But if it doesn't, it's fine. <laughs> like, I can roll mm. with the punches and I'll figure it out. And loads of people are figuring it out too.
0: Yeah, we're all trying to figure it out that's exactly what we're trying to do here yeah. um one of the things you mentioned in your story was about uh, you mentioned about imposter syndrome and i know that it's a big thing for lots of women and i think particularly with career change because you may feel that you're not you don't have the qualifications like obviously you seem to have done quite a lot of training for example and if you if you're struggling with imposter syndrome even when you have a job even if you're trying to like move up the career ladder or you're just changing job it can always like play in the back of some people's minds so do you have any advice for like dealing with it because I know it's a really common issue
1: yeah I would say talking about it everyone the big thing about imposter syndrome is everyone thinks that they're the only one going through it I'm incompetent everyone is great it's how I said that I started (laughs) my business after I saw someone who was really incompetent and I was just like oh okay like no one knows what they're doing I'm off I'm gonna go do what I want to do if you start speaking to your friends about it, speaking to people around you, even like someone you really admire. I, just talk, I remember talking to a woman, um, I had at one of my events, and she's kind of a mentor of mine now, about like how she's made it in business and how does she know what she She was like, I don't know what I'm doing. But when you speak to people who would do really well and they're just like, I don't know how it got here. I don't know what I'm doing. You realize everyone's going through it. It's not a big deal. You just have to embrace it and do what you want to do regardless because you only get good at something from doing it a lot. But if you stop yourself at the start and say, well, I'm not going to try a new career because I'm going to be a beginner, I'm not going to be good. Well, then you are just stuffing yourself for no reason. In a year and two years, you're going to be really good at that thing that you're not so good at right now. So yeah, speaking to people is the first thing. Second thing I think is pay attention to positive. So I used to do this a lot. If I I go somewhere and someone gives me a compliment and then they say something that's not so great, the compliment's deleted instantly. All I hear and obsess about for the next year is the not that time you told me you didn't quite like the way I held my pen. Mm-hmm. It was a bit cr- ridiculous. So it's focus. Every time you have a negative thought, like pull up the other good thoughts. I always say like do three positives to one negative.
0: Yeah, no, that's, a, that's, that's a really good t- thing. I think too many people focus on the negative, like you said, when someone could have said something really good um beforehand and I I remember someone suggesting before like you know try and keep some physical evidence of when people have said great things about you so that even when you're super low it's like you can just open it up and read it and just remind yourself that you are great because the likelihood is you are and it's just your mind likes to play tricks on you it Mm. does and like
1: misconstruing what people say is another big one if someone says something like no they didn't mean that or no that's an actual dig at me it's pulling yourself away from that and saying do you know what let me just take it at face value they said they like what i did they like what i did it's not they said they like i did a good job because they felt sorry for me or they're trying to suck up to me or do you know what? i don't know if you have those dialogues yeah. but i have and still do have that stupid dialogue and i have like to say to myself shut up literally shut up and move on you've got better things to think about than deciphering an innocent comment yeah
2: 100 percent
0: now, you seemed really good at being able to put together your story of like connecting your different jobs. And I imagine your CV is like banging, which is why you've done so great. But one of the big challenges for changing jobs for people is the interview. Um, and so I know I hate interviews. I'm like, if I could do any, I would change jobs probably every week if I didn't have to do an interview. So I wondered if you have any any advice for the interview process, because obviously it's, it is normally the difference between you getting the next job you want or your next career move or not
1: hmm So something for me personally, and I used to do this with clients, is remembering that interviews are two-way street. Too many people go into an interview being like pick me, pick me, pick me, and being desperate that you're picking them. Mm-hmm. If you come at it with that confidence, and I have done this in the past where I've seen how easily I've gotten the job when I've walked in, like, I don't think you're good enough for me. Like, I'm putting you to the test, I'm asking you these questions. You hold yourself very differently versus when you come in apologetically like oh my god please let me and I'm not worthy of being here so that is definitely the first thing like hold stand your ground make it clear to yourself that I have a lot to bring to the table you guys will be lucky for me to come here so you know you need to prove how good you are to me it's not the other way around don't apologize like I've had seen so many people apologize changed career I'm not very why are you playing yourself down that's like I don't know going on a date and being like this is everything that's wrong with me but I hope you can forgive all my terribleness and so <laughs> why would you do that stop apologizing own what you've done make it it's what you say about me sounding confident about my path now I've said it so many times I've got a story essentially I've created a story out of what I did but everyone can do that you create a dialogue about why you did what you did and own it and stand by it and literally be like you can't challenge me on this I don't care if you don't agree this is what I did this is why I did it and I'd do it again if I had a chance the right people will gravitate towards you the mm-hmm. wrong people won't like it but you couldn't work with them anyway so it's that interview is a filtering process you couldn't be around someone who thinks you're flaky and rubbish and doesn't see your worth so you need to put yourself on people who do see your worth definitely but um, obviously haven't honest prepared about your changes and as a, when I say an answer, I mean a solid answer rather than just, you may not know, but obviously don't go into, into an interview and say, oh, I don't know. It's more having kind of a, I don't know, a put together answer about why you've left. When people ask me why I left medicine, I would always talk about creativity and, you know, not wanting to be stuck in a bureaucratic process. And, I, you know, and it made sense saying I wanted to be more creative because I was having mm-hmm. interviews for creative jobs. And that it was obvious being a doctor isn't that creative. So you just have to have a good reason rather than I hate it. I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm here. Please give me a job because that doesn't really fly.
0: Yeah, obviously yeah. that's not going to. And I think it's a really good point around you. Are there as much to be interviewed, but also to interview? I think that attitude, I think a long time we, we've spoken podcast before about You know, we are some of the ages of people that came out after the recession. And so we had to try really hard to get our first jobs. And we wanted a job like people needed a job really badly. And a lot of us still carry that sort of mentality in our heads. Mm. But you're right. We're now at the stage where you you, you are making a choice. These are people you're going to have to spend a lot of time with. Um and you should be working out is all these people I want to spend time with and is this the type of company and like is this company culture and all of that sort of stuff so I think you're right about going in there remembering like this is as much about you interviewing them as you're being interviewed
1: yeah and even if you do feel like because I'm not downplaying anyone who desperately needs a job and they're like I will take any job you have to remember standing your ground is getting a bit of the kind of torturous process that's going to come if you get into a job you hate because you're like i want any job you're going to want to get out of that job in a month i promise you and then there's going to be a lot of psychological torture that follows because you ignored all of the red flags during your interview process because you were so mm. desperate so mm. i absolutely am not downplaying the importance of just being like i need a job but pick the right job and if you know if you want to leap into a job because you just need a job then that's when you go for a contract like go for something that is short and then you can get the hell out of there as soon as possible and getting to
0: the job you really want
2: to do yeah that makes sense
0: now obviously we spoke mainly about people that are changing careers so from one job to another but as you said you know now you've got to the point in your journey where you're like actually i want to start a business so if someone's listening and they decided actually you know the next stage for them is they want to create their own business (sighs) it's a million dollar question but you know how do you get started (laughs)
1: How would you get started? I would say don't start until you have an idea that you really care about. Again, that's something I've, I've alluded to this a few times during this conversation, but last year I was mentoring people a lot and I'd see a lot of people come to me and say, oh, I love what you've done with the ambition plan. I want to start a business. Like, Meant to me, show me what to do. And I say, okay, what do you want to do? I don't know. I just want a business. And I'm like, Mm. no, give away. Mm. Stick to your job until you have an idea because the business is all consuming. It's horrible. I'm not going to lie. Everyone's like, oh my god, it's not. It's horrible. The business is horrible. You're 100% in charge of your money. No one wants to help you out. Everyone's hitting you up for favors. No one actually wants to help you. You have no income. When it's not going well, you're literally at home, like twiddling your thumbs, trying to figure stuff out. If you're like me, you have to go back to your family home because you put all your savings and your rent, etc., into the business. Like it's hard. You're only going to stick at it if you're doing something that there's a bigger picture and you care about. So, don't get sucked in by all the stuff because there's so much, and I'm sure you guys have seen it so much on the internet at the moment. Mm-hmm. These get get rich business. Teams. start this business yeah. start that business you'll be making 10 figures in 10 hours and people just <laughs> buy into it. it's ridiculous and they buy into it don't start a business unless it's something you care about that's the most important thing definitely.
0: yeah no I think that's great advice I think the you know you can feel inside as if you don't you know that you're maybe not meant to be an employee I think there are some people that definitely have that feeling but you're right yeah. that's just like you need to actually work out a good idea and not just just walk out your job and just think you're going to be able to magic something straight yeah. away because it or start small. Yeah. Like start small. Everyone talking about side hustles. As
1: much as I'm over that phrase now, there's nothing wrong with. And again, I advocate that massively doing something on the side in your job and growing it day by day until you get to a level where you're like, yes, first of all, I like this yes I'm making enough money yes let's go full time with it and that is the time when you can dabble in stuff because you've still got your job and it's safe but I definitely wouldn't quit your job cold turkey and be like right pick a business any business let's go because that's when it's not going to go that great
0: just because you mentioned side hustles what would also be your feeling if someone wants to do career change and I suppose they don't feel like they have experience in that industry but by doing, doing something outside their job to help gain more experience before they make that career change?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I talk about three ways of making a career change. That's one of them. So um, you can get experience in lots of ways and don't underestimate. I've certainly had clients that I myself, even from running the Ambition Plan, have been offered jobs off the back of that, like senior jobs that I had no previous experience of doing just because they're like, you've done it in your business, so let's go. Um, mm. So don't downplay that. Run your own thing and own it. Put it on your CV, put it on your LinkedIn. Obviously, you know you need to do it for long enough to do that. So you're talking about... Probably a year solidly, mm-hmm. but don't think because it was your thing that it doesn't count as experience. Because it's the results the person's looking for. Just should say that I don't know if you want to. Let's say you're a dentist and you want to move into events, and you've been <clears throat> planning events for friends, etc., for the last year solidly. You've got a great portfolio that shows all the pictures you've done. You've got testimonials from them. But you are an event planner. You don't need an event planning degree to to be that. Like that's what you are. So now lead with that and say, I've done this for the last year. Look at all the work I've done
0: yeah no i think that's a really great way and that's definitely you know i'm really for me a lot of my passion for stuff outside my career has been really fulfilling by actually trying out different things and i think it is a great way like you said rather than just jumping cold turkey it also gives you a bit of time to realize then if that passion is something you're not meant to do every day because some passions are Mm. actually for them to stay a real passion you need it not to be the reason you make money like it just needs to be for love fun yeah
1: yeah absolutely that was the thing I said about nutrition it was great and now I'm like no one ever talking about nutrition ever again I don't care because I just ruined it by making it all about money
2: and can I just ask you how how what is the best way of differentiating something that is a passion that you should just love and not really make money from and something that is your money-making idea for life or for five years or 10 years? Like, is it just literally getting stuck in and doing it and seeing how you feel? Like, how do you differentiate between those two things?
1: Do you know, I, I think that's hard. I think you would have to just mm. do it and see. Yeah. And listen to the warning signs early on to be like, do you know what? I like this for fun and I don't like the pressure. You, By the time you get to a stage where you don't want to talk about that thing anymore, mm. then you know, do you know what I mean? Like, you get to six sixth you think, I'm done, I don't, like right. Now I'm finding something else for fun because I don't want to. Whereas I know people who are like photographers and musicians and they get paid to do it and they're still doing it for fun. And I'm just like, do you still want to? I'm like, yeah, let's go do this. Like, mm. yeah, I'll do some photos for you. Or yeah, like, I'll do a gig. And I'm thinking, but you just, but they just love it that much that mm. for them, it's not about the money. It's getting, I think that's the other thing. It's about being able to sort of show their craft to the world and do this thing they love so much versus if it becomes all about How do I make money out of this? I can't make money out of that. Then I'm not talking about it because it's making me no money. Then it's not, you know, that's not the um, one you want to be forward with as an actual passion.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, that makes sense.
0: So before we move into the fire round, I just wondered if you've got anything else, any last bits of wisdom around like career changes. As we said, this episode goes out a new year. And just for anyone who's just sitting there thinking... know i'm probably not in the best place right now what i'm doing right now isn't really what i want to do anymore what should they do next
1: what should they do next make a decision it sounds really simple there are too many people who sit and wallow and they make excuses and they make they won't commit and this is something i saw when i was doing mentoring a lot they'll come and they'll cry and they'll wallow you'll say okay like let's go yeah no not quite now and then they'll trot out a load of excuses and they it's like they don't they almost don't realize that everyone has obstacles in front of them you know yeah i've got to do this with the kids i've got to do this for my mortgage oh, i'm quite mm-hmm. tired Oh, was difficult time to work about like, there's no right time if you're upset the upset's not going away I commit either commit to stay in your situation and own it which is actually really empowering if you're in a situation like i'm the victim i hate everything but nothing's going my way it's such a big switch to say I'm choosing to be here, and I'm going to take the positives out of this job mm-hmm. that I hate because I have a job. I've got money coming in. I've got this great house. It's not a noose around my neck. It's a house I love. I've got these great kids. Look at it that way. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, and you think I want to make a change. Then own that and say, okay, and what do I do? Yes, there are things standing in my way, but there are things standing in everybody's way. Like lose the idea that people are, you know, more special or more gifted or whatever than you, because that's rubbish. So yeah, first thing is just make a decision.
2: Yeah. That cool. sounds really good.
0: <laughs> so we'll move to the fire round now. So <laughs> what is your definition of free? What is my
1: definition of free? Um, I don't know. This isn't a fire round, is it? Because I'm being slow. My definition, <laughs> definition, I can't speak. Definition of free is being able to do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. just being happy like yeah not all with whatever you're doing always having that thing where you check in and say am i like am i happy am i good where i am and being able to say yes because there's nothing more imprisoning than actually feeling like i'm miserable and i can't do anything about it when like everything about life is optional
2: yeah yeah, yeah no that makes total sense and what's your favorite thing to do on your own
1: favorite thing to do on my own
2: <laughs> <So> <laughs> sleep. Like, sleep and
1: eat. No, on what do I <laughs> do on my own? I don't know. I've quite gotten into meditation recently, okay? Um, which is funny because I'm very, I was, I used to be like, I can't meditate, I'm too type A, I'm too wired. But yeah, <laughs> I started doing Vedic meditation, and it's been really good for me in terms of. 20, like I do it twice a day for 20 minutes and it's 20 minutes literally to myself and it's very internal as well mm. um, so that's nice to just be able to say this is my protected time phone off everything off everyone leave me alone and then re-emerge kind of feeling refreshed after those
0: 20 minutes that's impressive twice a day for 20 minutes well done
1: <laughs> again that was a type a in me I remember I did a course and the guy was like do you know what channel that type a and make yourself sit down for 20 minutes every day. I was like done because he challenged yeah. me I'm doing it <laughs> <laughs> good 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 all
0: right what is your best piece of advice for millennial women
1: oh um i think it's back to what i said about like owning your decisions and you Mm. can do whatever you want to do so it's being aware of that owning it and going for it don't talk yourself out like don't kind of self-reject just try stuff
2: Great. And which resource, so it can be like a book or a documentary or a podcast, um, are you always recommending to other people?
1: Ooh, so I always recommended, can I say two? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so both books. So one is Atomic Habits by James Clear, and it's all about making a change in your life. It just breaks down that you don't have to do this big dramatic thing to get to where you want to be. It's about making small changes incrementally. And then yeah. the second one is a book that I read couple, well, a couple months ago, but I keep going back to it. It's a book called Shoe Dog. It's by Phil Knight, who's the founder of Nike. And I always say to people, like, however you feel about Nike, leave that aside. It's more about, it's about grit and determination and showing people that, again, going back to the business thing or anything you want to do, nothing happens overnight. Like, the guy went through all so mm. much drama and so much turmoil over decades to get to where he is today. So reading that makes you realize that you're not alone
0: yeah two great books I'd absolutely I've read both this year and I agree absolutely they're both worthwhile reading (laughs)
1: definitely
0: and finally what are you still trying to figure out
1: what to do with my life (laughs) in a word I'm not even joking but I'm not trying anymore I think that's the difference between me now versus five years ago I was actively Mm. desperately seeking to figure stuff out whereas now I'm very much rolling with the punches and when you do I've noticed opportunities present themselves and you realize okay well I'm in this phase now like this is what I'm doing now and it's happened organically rather than me trying to be the architect and forcing because when you force stuff it just doesn't work it'll work for a little bit and then it all unravels.
2: Yeah. Beam flow. <laughs> Beam
0: flow. <laughs> yeah, that's hard when you type A. So good job. Good job. <laughs> <No>. good job. <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. If anyone listening has really enjoyed it, what is the best way for them to find out more about you and the Ambition Plan?
1: Um just simply go to the ambition plan website, which is just theambitionplan.com. Kept it nice and simple for you amazing thank thank you
2: so much
1: (laughs) not a problem thank as i said before thank you for having me especially to kick off the new year